You are listening to episode 113 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and excuse me, I have to go somewhere. There was a crime happening in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Dude, I'm guessing RoboCop could see into the future because there was definitely a crime happening of our gameplay this week. That was oh. hard, dude. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we played some RoboCop 3 for the Sega Genesis this week, and we got our asses absolutely handed to us on normal. So we, uh, we went into the options, we turned it down to easy, and eventually we bested an army of rocket launcher wielding bad guys. Dude, that was insane. Like, so the key thing is like we haven't played the RoboCop games before, and we were just like, well, let's give it a shot. That, that was difficult. Um, like any platformer, though, I mean, it's just practice gets better. So you consistently play it. We consistently played that first level, which is kind of sad to say that that's how far we got. was beating the first level and going into the second one. But, you know, I, I had fun with it regardless. It's like any platformer. Just keep playing it, keep grinding through, and eventually you'll learn the different parts of the stages, where things go, and um, where enemies are coming from, and where to hit them, and how to dodge. That, that stuff just kind of comes naturally. So, you know, I always feel like if we had... A good eight to ten hours to just sit back and learn a game and just grind through platformers consistently, we'd be fine. We'd probably be a lot better at games. We, we probably would be. But, you know, uh, that, Moving that on. kind of, yeah, exactly. So this week we'll be talking about a few different cool things. We've got Polygon's top 50 most anticipated games of 2021. No, we are not going to go through the full list of 50. We just went through and said, hey, here's like my top three. Ryan gave me four for some reason. He wrote an extra. Uh, we're going to look at the biggest video game disappointments of 2020 and the trends that we feel need to end moving into 2021. And there's a couple others. Well, we got four articles this week. Uh, Apple has removed 39,000 game apps from its China store to meet a deadline, so we'll get into that. And of course, what is next on Google Stadia's roadmap for 2021? So lots of cool things this week. But Ryan, we'll get it started. Uh, what did you pick up? I'm going to guess nothing. Yep, exactly. I picked up my Switch and played a bunch of Hades. So how is Hades? Dude, Hades is so good, so... Last week, I think I'd done like a run or two before I came over and we did the podcast. But this week, I finally beat my first run. Uh, it took me 32 tries to get there, and I got through with the Exegriff first, which I would not have thought would be the weapon that I would go the furthest with the quickest. But hey, it was it was good. It was fun. I love all of the different things that are going on in this game, like. Uh, it's got so much going for it. If you haven't heard of Hades, it's a roguelite. You go through, uh, it's by, it's very similar to a lot of the other Supergiant games. Um, artistic wise, it's amazing. Uh, it's got that same kind of perspective as Transistor did, but it's a lot more meant to be played as an action game. Like you can play Transistor action-y, but it was way better to play it with like the plotting out mode and stuff. But this is all balls to the wall action, dodging, you know, uh, not like shmup, but like sort of like shmup bullet farm stuff. Sometimes lots of, uh, you got six different weapons that all play totally differently. You've got all of these different, uh, gods. It's all based off like the Greek pantheon. So, 
every time you lose a run, you start back in Hades and it's like, it's a part of the story that you're dying and coming back. But it's like, cause you're already in the underworld. Where else are you going to go when you die? So you yeah. just kind of start back over. And every time you go into like the starting area, which is like your father's hall and there's like a lounge and your bedroom and stuff, you run into different characters in there and you have conversations. So every time you die, you have more stuff to talk to them about. And it's like all like no repeated dialogue. Like it just keeps going. Like there's more and more. So I've already died like, you know, 30 plus times and gone back and talked to all these different characters and had, you know, like over 30 unique lines of dialogue. Not everybody's there every run. Uh, there's like different currencies that you're farming for different purposes so like there's this item that you give to everybody and each time you give it to somebody for the first time well, i can't edit that out <laughs> yeah it uh they'll give you like a starting item that you can use that gives you like a passive boon to run through the game on so you could keep giving those to people and i think eventually they'll give you more stuff um there's like once you beat it the first time you can go through and it adds like a a challenge to it where you can like you have a whole list of different things that'll increase the difficulty and then that allows you to farm for more items to be able to unlock more stuff and it's just like it just keeps churning out more and more and more and it's like even though you're going through the same four levels over and over again uh you know all the rooms are randomly generated the enemy arrangements are always pretty challenging um all of the different gods that you run into each time to get like different abilities and uh the ability to upgrade your weapon for a run and stuff like that all that's all random so it's like you go through and you start to like build different like actual builds out of what you're given so it kind of keeps it fresh even though it's the same thing over it's it's sucking at me in just like Cave Blazers did, but... Uh, but there might be an end to this where you can actually... It's just, it's a much more it. satisfying game than Cave Blazers ever was. Like, I had so much fun and played that game for so long, but it's like, there's way more to this because it's like, there's actual dialogue and characters and the art is like absolutely incredible and I want to keep talking to these people and learn more and it's like, after finally making it out on your first run, it's like, got a really good excuse for why you have to go back, why you have to do it again, why you need to keep getting out. Mm -hmm. So uh, hopefully I'm up to the challenge and we'll see how far I can get. But it is the new year and I will be starting my inflation deflation from last year again very soon. More on that in the future. Well, that sounds good, man. For anybody wondering, Ryan does talk of his hands, so every now and then you'll hear a nice bang go through our recordings. That, that would be Ryan. Or myself, because I like to talk of my hands. Ryan more so than me, though. Yes. Very exaggerated. Yeah, very exaggerated. He's just like, karate chop onto the mic. Whoa, so, uh, that sounds all good, man. Uh, you know, this week, I went ahead and played uh, some Apex Legends. So, Justin, of course, uh, I told him this. I was like, I have not played a first-person shooter like Call of Duty or anything along those lines in years. Because I know, once I get into it, I'm going to want to keep playing it. And that's just how I am with those types of games. And the fact that I didn't have to invest any money into this game makes it even better. So, played a lot of Apex Legends. I got my first win today, as a matter of fact, uh, which was pretty badass. How'd that happen? Got a lot of headshots, got some nice kills going on in there. And, of course, uh, I'll probably be playing more of it. Uh, 
The other game we were playing, uh, my wife and I, Dragon's Crown, uh, it hasn't taken a back burner. We've just been busy this week, so we didn't get a chance to play it. And then Jade Cocoon uh, definitely has been on the back burner for a little bit, but I am going to finish that game. Uh, I Join the unfinishing side. No, I will never join the unfinishing side. I've been off that side for a long time. If I stop a game, it's because I literally just don't like it, and I've gone in for maybe a couple hours and said, yep, this isn't for me. I don't usually progress through an entire story and then just like quit it. That's <laughs> oh, the best part. No, no, it's not. It's terrible. Uh, and then my pickups this week, I got Akiba's Beat on the PS4. So continuing my pickups of exclusives for the PlayStation 4, as well as RPGs while they are on the down low. And the other one I got was AI Somnium Files on the Nintendo Switch. This one I'm kind of frustrated with because I saw several collector's editions sitting at like 35 bucks through GameStop. I'm like, eh, you know, it's it's not, you know, there's a few of them out in the area. Like, it's probably not that good of a game. And then I started seeing like positive feedback on this game and then started seeing it going for like 60 to $80 used on eBay. And I'm like, yeah, I should probably grab this because this is probably one of those like super limited print run type games on both the PS4 and the Nintendo Switch that you're just going to have to grab. I mean, it when those situations come up, that's when I'll honestly buy a game at retail, um, like a GameStop if it's available. So that was the only one for like 100 miles in our area, by the way. And it happened to be um, right down the road for me, as a matter of fact. So that worked out. Literally one copy within 100 miles, and it was right down the road for me. So I grabbed that. Well, that was it. So I'll have more feedback on Apex Legends next week as I continue my, you know, addiction to vacuum. Ryan, before we move into our articles, I, of course, have trivia. I thought you forgot. No, 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 no. See, while you were talking, that's what I was looking for. I figured. Yeah. Uh, all right. There's a couple here, but let me um, let me go through this one. Let me do this one really quick. What classic video game was named because the creator misunderstood a translation? Oh, man. I know this one. This one is, uh, this one kind of shocks me, in a sense. You should know it, though. I know. I feel like I've heard this before. Let me give you the five-second countdown. Um, Five, four. I know this isn't the right answer. I'm three, just going to say Kirby. No. Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. So, because the creator thought that donkey meant stupid in English. Mm. Yeah. Little did he know it meant jackass. Stupid Kong. Yeah, Stupid Kong. Well, this one's Jackass Kong. <laughs> so if he went by English translation, Jackass Kong. All right. Uh, let's go through this list, man. We're not going to go through the full list. Uh, you could probably name off like the top five that are on there. But uh, Polygon's 50 most anticipated games of 2021. This is by Michael McWerther, it looks like. And a whole bunch of other people that collaborate on this. And, of course, it's at Polygon on Twitter. And the whole Polygon team. Yeah, whole Polygon. Well, not the whole Polygon team, but a good Polygon staff. Yeah, Polygon staff did this one. So, do you want to go through? Like, I, I, I mean, think there's just, all kinds yeah. of there's all kinds of stuff on this list, but the things that have me the most excited are um, Hollow Knight, Silk Song, and I know that we're gonna get some magazines got like a full spread on that that's coming out like I think this week or something. I was hearing people talk about it that. Uh, the first Hollow Knight was so good. Like I never finished that, obviously, because that's not what I do here. But I had a ton of fun with it. I love the music. I love the art. I love everything about it. And uh, 
being able to play as another character and see more of that world has me really excited. So that's going to be great. Um, finally, Blast from the Past. Hopefully this year we'll get some new Pokemon Snap. Like, that's been something that everybody's been dying for every Nintendo console since the N64. And I, for one, am very hopeful. Uh, it is a new era where there's, you know, a lot more that goes into games. And the original Pokemon Snap, while being incredible, you know, it doesn't offer a whole lot of content for what it has. And now that there's like now it's over 800 Pokemon or something and you can fit a lot more game into a space and people expect a lot more. I want to see like if this is going to be a full price game and not like a $40 release i want to see like a full-on huge big pokemon snap world like i'm still fine with the on rails all that stuff that's still good like i don't need it to be some weird open world thing because i feel like that would almost be less engaging than like the level-based approach that they could do to really like design the environment and have things set up because there was a lot of challenge in trying to discover new things and stuff in the original so i think that they could do so much better, and it'd be just so great. I can't wait for that. And then, lastly, I've been waiting for the play date all 2020, and it didn't come out. So uh, you pre-ordered that, didn't you? Uh, no, they didn't have like the pre-order option go live, as far as I've seen. But they're gonna make enough for everyone. They said like originally, I think it was supposed to be a more limited thing, and the demand has been so great. So that shocks me seriously. Like I look at that thing, and it's just not up my alley. It's it's got the appeal for me just because it's going to be that type of system that you can like keep in your pocket and be able to play like anywhere and I love that idea. I mean, obviously I got my Game Boy Micro. I didn't you get me somebody got me a Digimon this year, like a little like Tamagotchi style Digimon. I don't know, it must have been somebody else. Um but there's like I love that idea of being able to pull something out, but a lot of the times it's too much effort. Like, I feel like if whatever you have is inside of a case, you need to pull the case out, you better be sitting down. Like, you can't be standing up in a line waiting for something that you have to, like, put away and then put that away. So this would be, like, a real small little thing that you can actually take out, flip out, play something on, and all the games are that type of game. Like, they're all going to be small short experiences that'll be fun to play on the go. So I'm, I'm looking for a great time killer out of this thing. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So my list is a little more, uh, hoping here that they even get released in 2021 just due to delays. And I left this stuff. first one on your list, by the way, because I'm also super stoked for it and I didn't want to put uh, it on my list. Okay, so so I figured we could share that first one. You technically have four then. All right. We both have three and a half. Elden Ring. That is uh, the first one that I am excited about. We saw a little bit of teaser type stuff back in like what 2019. Yeah, for that I think one. E3 2019. Yeah, and then like nothing. Or was it 2018 even? Man, I don't even know. It had to be 2019 because we didn't really get into heavy recording in 20 until late 2018. Yeah. So yeah, I want to say it was E3 of 2019. They showed something on this, and I mean, dude, come on. You've got uh, George R. R. Martin teaming up uh, with it's a From Software team, right, to get this one out there and. I mean, I'm excited to see what they come up with. It could be Dark Souls style. It could be just standard adventure. It could be a flipping, you know, st- narrative 
you know, just go around and, you know, just kind of re-dialogue, whatever it may be. Like, I want to see what they come out with. Well, we've seen so many, like, you know, dark or Souls-like games out there that, you know, never quite meet up to what we want from, like, yeah. from software and, like, the real guys behind, like, Dark Souls and Demon Souls and all that stuff. But it's like every time they come up with something new, they hit it out of the park. Everybody loves Bloodborne. Everybody loves Sekiro. You know, and everybody keeps loving Dark Souls, but it's like every time they go out into something else, they absolutely kill it. So it's like no reason why they're not going to do that again. Yeah, I think the only one that's gotten it right so far has technically been Neo number two, I want to say was, you know, from what I've read was pretty good. Uh, And that might be the only one that's been successful outside of it that I can honestly think of with that same model, right? I mean, the Surge 2 got pretty good reviews, I think. Hmm. Well, I haven't... Maybe I should look into that one. <laughs> it's like a sci-fi. Oh, really? Sci-fi style? Yeah. Yeah, and I know like Code Vein, there's a lot of people have high praise on that. But, you know, I've also heard it's kind of clunky as well. So I think, I want to say Game Grinder uh, beat that one. Code Vein's like the good. anime one, right? Yeah, that's the anime style one. So either way, I'm really excited to see like the storytelling components coming from that as well. And isn't Guillermo del Toro tied in this one too? Mm, I don't know. I want to say he was. I'm not 100%. Uh, the other one I'm interested in is Hogwarts Legacy. So if you grew up listening, or not listening, but reading the Harry Potter books, watching the Harry Potter movies and Listening such, to your parents read you the Harry Potter books. Okay, I didn't get that far. I, I had to read them on my own. Uh, you know, this is something that truly excites me. We talked about this like two years ago when we first saw like a screenshot that was leaked. And we we're like, is there a Harry Potter RPG? Well, hell yeah, there's a Harry Potter RPG. And it's in works. And so this is one I definitely want to play for the the idea of just being able to explore Hogwarts. And it gives you that experience of, you know, oh, my letter came and now I got to go to Hogwarts and explore and do my thing like I would do in Hogwarts. You're not playing the role of Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets or any of those other games. You're your own person in this game, learning what you want to learn. And it sounds like open world exploration. So I'm super stoked to see what this, you know, turns into. And I just know damn well whenever I get it my wife is going to want to play it every single day and I will never get the opportunity to play it. Like this will be her game for like a year. I'm sure. Uh, the next I'm surprised it took them so long to do this idea. Yeah. I, maybe it's one of those things that the idea has been there, but it was like, you know what? Let's wait until the technology catches up to our idea so we can put out a full blown experience. Cause imagine if this is in VR, mm. you had a VR component being able to go through Hogwarts. Oh my God. Would that be insane? Uh, the next one that you kept on my list, I wanted to remove it because it was such an obvious, is Horizon Forbidden West. I loved Horizon Zero Dawn. I loved the Frozen Wilds. I loved every piece of that game. It was my game of the year several years ago, or it was tied for my game of the year several years ago. And I want more, and I hope that they don't disappoint. I will likely get a special edition of this game. Uh, whenever I see those pre-orders, hopefully they aren't out and I missed it. Uh, but I will not miss out on the special edition version of this. Even if I'm sitting on a PS5 copy for several years, I will get this game in advance. So I'm stoked on that. And the next one that I'm pretty excited about was Kenna Bridge of Spirits. has that cutesy, you know, animation going for it. It's, uh, you know, action adventure style game and it just looks cool. It had a really strong, like, trailer yeah, that trailer was really strong, and I just, I'm excited for it. I mean, what I saw in that game, the gameplay I saw, as well as the trailer, just got me excited. It's going to be on PS4, it's going to be on PS5. 
do I get it on PS5? I'm not sure yet. If it's on PC, do I just get it on there? There's a lot of questions I got to ask myself here on, on what I do with this game. But that's another one that definitely excites me. So, uh, if you have any games that are exciting you for 2021, definitely let us know on thegamedeflators.com via comments on this episode. Uh, social media, at Game Deflators on Twitter, at The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook. And, of course, you can find us on social media, or not social media, you can find us on podcast applications, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, uh, Podcast Addict, wherever podcasts are found, we should be on there. And if we're not, you let us know, and hopefully we'll get on there. And, of course, five-star reviews. Six, Six if, you can. if you can. All right. <laughs> the next thing we got going here is the biggest video game disappointments of 2020. This is Ethan Gok at Kotaku. Ryan, what are the disappointments of a listed? Man, lots of lots of bad news this year in 2020. Not just COVID, but all of the uh, the video game people that we love did bad. They did bad stuff. Um, so the first thing, I can't get this article to open, John. Dude, that article is having trouble with too, like just the pop-ups and it wouldn't load properly. Kotaku, get your stuff together. Did you find it? Yes. Okay. All right. So, uh, the first thing they list in here is actually probably the least offensive thing on the list. And that's that Halo Infinite got delayed. I mean, that's it's a huge disappointment for anybody that managed to get their hands on a Series S or a Series X and was really looking forward to having, you know, that awesome killer first party launch title to go along with their console. And it didn't happen because of the terribly weak trailer that they showed off earlier this year that everyone just freaked out at them about. So... Delays happened all year for all kinds of things. It'll come out next year. It'll be better. You mean you mean this year? This year. <laughs> it'll come out this year. It'll be better for having waited. And I think people will move past that, and that'll be fine. Uh, the next one, also kind of related, buying a next-gen console is a shit show. Sure is, John. <laughs> yeah. And, and so buying a is. GPU, too. Yeah. And shoes and video games in general. Bots, people. 2020, year of the bots. The robots are taking over the world and making everybody a very angry and sad and disappointed and bad Christmas and making a lot of other people a shit ton of money. Yeah, we need to have a movie released on that where the robots are taking over and it's just bots buying everybody's products. Yeah. Oh, that's what it could be. A 2020 film. There's bots and they're buying all the toilet paper. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, you know, this is... Again, this is bad. This is something that upsets everybody, but really it's it's always hard to get a new launch console. You know, it may not be this hard, especially because this year, you know, they were not doing in-store purchases. Like I have a feeling this would have been a lot less of an issue had they been stocking stores and people could wait in lines and people could safely go outside. Like this would have been a lesser issue. Still an issue. But we're not there yet. Uh, been talking about it for weeks. Been talking about it for months. Some people have been talking about it for the greater part of a decade. Cyberpunk 2077 sucks. Well, I wouldn't say it sucks. It but, sucks for some people. But you know what? What's funny is... It Just, sucks for most people. So Justin bought it. And I think I talked about this several weeks ago. And he was super stoked. He's like, oh, I'm not having any issues. I'm loving Cyberpunk. It's so great. 
we're sitting there playing Apex Legends. I'm like, hmm, I haven't seen Cyberpunk on your, uh, you're currently playing for some time. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to wait for the AI and everything to be better and for this to be fixed and for V's glitches to be fixed and this to be fixed. I'm like, yeah, sounds like, um, sounds like I was right. You should listen to the game deflators <laughs> before you bought that game. Like he, I had literally had just talked to him about it. And he's like, oh yeah, it'll fix it. There'll be updates and everything else. I'm like, dude, you're going to be waiting for a while. And he's right in that boat. He's like, I'm just going to wait. Go on though. Go on. Well, and you know, who wants to have their first playthrough of like an amazing game ruined by all that stuff? Like more people should be willing to wait. And you know, there were several delays with this game and CD Projekt Red totally misrepresented what the product they were going to be delivering was. On the PS4 side, at least, because I know I was just looking at some posts. Uh, Game Grinder just beat it. Uh, so uh, John or Church um, went ahead and beat on his channel. And yeah, he didn't have any issues. He said like very minimal issues. But for him, it was... What was he P- playing He on? was playing on PC. Okay. So like that makes sense. And his PC rig is actually pretty nice. Yeah. So, I can see where he didn't have any issues and where a lot of console gamers may not have had as many issues. Justin was playing on the PS4. So for him, definitely a misrepresentation. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like like with Halo Infinite, you know, it's just going to take some people a little while until they can really be able to enjoy it. Uh, Next on the list, Nintendo's War on Fans. This we talked about a couple months ago. And, you know, Nintendo is no stranger to, uh, you know, coming off as this happy, friendly, you know, we're in it together, like as the underdog of gamers, you know, like they've got this huge, massive, loyal following, but they're not really the mainstream of gaming anymore like they used to be. You know, I feel like more people really push out for the, you know either casual mobile markets or for the more hardcore console markets. And even though Nintendo's wildly successful all the time, you feel like you feel like a stronger bond with them because of how they present themselves and stuff. But they are no stranger to attacking and lashing out and doing stupid shit that nobody likes, like shutting down melee tournaments because they're using some kind of hack tool to be able to get people to play online and connect together during a really tough time and then just being like, nope, you can't. And then consequently shutting down other tournaments that are being hosted in a way that they deem acceptable, but are having protest messages against the other tournaments that were shut down with hashtag free melee and stuff like that. So yeah, Nintendo is never, I mean, they've never really been known as like that, you know, a second party using their products and stuff or like, uh, you know, in the case of emulators and all that, which is fine, you know, they're protecting their property, but something like that, like the whole melee issue of shutting down tournaments and such, just because people are doing it online. So like, you know what, Nintendo, how about, you know, you step up and say with our finances, we're going to create an environment where you can play that game or we're going to release it on the switch so you can host tournaments with this game, but they're just all in on their current product and very much in the lines of, Oh, well, we released that 30 years ago. We're not going to touch it, but hey, you can't touch it either because Mm -hmm. it's our product. You can't do anything with it. And that's, I think, what's the most frustrating is like, it's kind of like the old Disney vault that they used to do for like the VHS tapes and DVD and such. Like it's out of a vault. Like now you can, 
rebuy it and you can watch it again. Nintendo doesn't do that crap. They just have it behind in the vault forever, for the most part. Outside of like the releases of SNES and NES games that they kind of, you know, put in every now and then on the Switch Online. But even so, like they have the ability to hopefully or, you know, maybe release every single Switch game or every Nintendo SNES GameCube. They have the ability to put those games through emulation or whatever it may be on their consoles and sell it to you for whatever amount. Like, can you imagine if they took the entire SNES library, threw it on Switch Online, and said, pay five bucks? Well, the thing is, game? I mean, they've done so many resales before. It's like, I wonder if it's just that people are maybe more tired of having to rebuy the stuff again and again and again to own it on their latest console and not ever having those purchases transfer over towards a future console. I mean, I'm pretty sure that, like, if you bought something on Xbox 360, like an arcade game, you could probably go through your Microsoft account profile and get that on your new Xbox now, probably. But yeah. good luck doing that with, you know, any of the digital stuff that you bought for your Wii. Yeah. You can't get that stuff back. You could go back and play it on your Wii if you want. And that's what's so funny about people say, oh, I'm going digital. And like, I don't know why you guys complain about it so much. Like physical is the way to go or not the way to go, like because it takes up space. Okay, well, great. When, you know, you're three generations down the road, I can still play my games on that old console. Good luck, you know, if your console breaks or if you have to replace it or, or something along those lines and you've lost all that content, you can't play it again. Cause maybe mm -hmm. you forgot your password or your account is shut down or, you know, you no longer want to play it on that console because of space issues and you want to play on the new thing. So, yeah, I can see, um, you know, where that's always an issue. But at the end of the day, it's Nintendo's, you know, content. They can do whatever they want with it. Yeah. All right. Anything else on that list? Uh, next up, the ugliness around The Last of Us Part Two. Last of Us Part Two, hugely anticipated game. Everybody was, you know, who played the first one had been really clamoring for this. You were really excited for it, but it it had a lot of backlash and it got really ugly. And there's a lot of stupid people out there on the internet that are giving gamers a bad name and you know really not being nice to people. Well, you know, I think the the backlash on it was both warranted and not warranted. So, you know, the backlash regarding Ellie and having, you know, a lesbian protagonist and a les or not lesbian antagonist, although people are saying a trans antagonist, which she wasn't. She was just a muscular woman. And, you know, I think there was a lot of backlash on that, which was ridiculous because, okay, if you don't agree with it, don't play it. You know, and I know there was a whole thing around that we had talked about a while back when the game was being released and there was a lot of that backlash occurring was, well, don't shove it down my throat. Okay, well, it's not your story to tell. You know, go play another game. If you don't like the story, then don't play it. Yeah, there's you know? plenty of other games out there that you can do similar things. Yeah. And if that's not what you want to experience, there's lots of options. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to go online and yell and scream into the void about how you feel personally wronged by other people being represented. Well, and the DLC called out that, you know, Ellie was a lesbian. So at the end of the day, like you had, you know, the better part of what, five years, three years, whatever it may have been since that was released to kind of come to grips with that and determine if you wanted to play a sequel. Mm -hmm. uh, the part where I think, you know, there was probably the most backlash that was warranted was Joel and how he was showcased in the trailers and such and in certain scenes. And then, of course, spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't played yet, which by now I would hope you know or aren't living under a rock. Uh, you know, if Joel dying in the very beginning by Abby's hands, uh, 
I I think that right there kind of frustrated a lot of people. I missed those spoilers before I played, so I was very much like anytime I saw Last of Us or whatever, I skipped over it right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I never did have that spoiled for me. So that was a shocker when I actually came across it and what happened. Uh, but I I didn't really dig into a lot of Last of Us two trailers for the most part. I saw a few, got excited about the fact that I was playing. You as knew Ellie. you were gonna play it. You didn't have to ruin anything for yourself. Yeah, and like I knew I was gonna be playing as Ellie. I didn't. I never had an expectation I was gonna play as Joel in that game. I never did. I thought Joel was gonna be like a side character, a side character on the back end who would say no, I don't want you to go, and she would determine that she has to go and go out and and do what she needed to do. I never anticipated Joel as a playable character. So for me. When that happened, I was like, oh, shit, he died and everything like that sucks. But it wasn't like a huge disappointment. I was like throwing up my arms, wanting to burn my copy of Last of Us 2 because I never had the expectation to play as Joel. So it wasn't wasn't really a downer for me. But go on. What else we got here? Uh, And then lastly, and this takes the cake and was, you know, just a terrible bit of news to come out. But uh, Ubisoft is an absolute mess. Uh, they've been harboring and protecting and moving around harassers and abusers for years and years. And there's a slew of employees that have come out. I think it said that, uh, let's see, 25% of people in a company-wide survey said that they've witnessed or experienced misconduct firsthand while one in five reported not feeling fully respected or safe in their work environment. And this is, you know, way worse than Crunch, and Crunch is its own awful, terrible thing, but these are the video game companies that have these management teams that just don't care about anybody that works there, and they're either too incompetent or they're compliant in what's happening there. They're failing their employees and letting awful stuff happen, or... They're too dumb to know that it's happening, and how are they in that position to begin with? Like, there's so much, you know, that goes into making a game such huge amounts of teams and people and money and effort, and the management is the one that does seemingly the least amount of the actual effort and gets all the benefit and everybody else just gets treated like crap and it sucks and you know it's good that this came out it's terrible that it's been happening and that it's been happening for that long and that it's been happening to that many people well and the fact is still not even widely publicized you know even right now uh one of the things that you know they had a gaffe i think it was on social media where they said the reason that they removed all the uh, the female assassins from an assassin's creed trailer was because uh female assassins were like hard to develop or something yeah you know and i'm like okay, like we're in an era where we have entire games that are dedicated to female protagonists. And you're going to say we couldn't put a female assassin in a trailer because it is hard to develop female characters. Really? Too hard to animate. Look, I'm no SJW by all means, but that's bullshit. You know, that's that's not exactly a, you know, a difficult to ask. And on top of that, why wouldn't you want to put female characters in a trailer? Because all it's going to do is branch out to the female audience who may want to now play that game because there's a female main character. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's absurd. And the fact that it's still occurring with Ubisoft and even right now is probably still being swept under the rug and probably ha- they have ongoing issues, I'm sure. 
it's kind of sad in itself. So yeah, and uh, then they also took a Black Lives Matter symbol and used it as the uh, like like a evil bad guy terrorists in a new Tom Clancy game that looks like a garbage game that nobody's gonna want to play anyways. And it's like, oh my gosh, come on, man! You, Tom Clancy, you gotta been... be with the times. Like you can't use like the power fist as like a negative thing. Look around you. Look at the world. Look what's happening. You can't do that. Yeah, Tom Clancy games have been horrible since, I guess, Splinter Cell, you know, for the most part, on, like, the Xbox and PS2 and such. I don't think I've heard, like, extremely positive reviews over a Clancy game in years. Yeah. So, I, who knows? It's all even... just more open-world Ubisoft nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Did we get one on the PS4? A Tom Clancy game? Uh, or this generation? Like, the Ghost Recon Wildlands and stuff. That's Tom Clancy. God, man, that stuff went so far under the radar. I didn't even, I mean, it's not a game I look out for, but normally you'd see trailers or something. Yeah, I feel like uh, they're, I mean, they're trying to compete with, like, the Far Cries and Assassin's Creed. Well, they do Far Cry. No, I know, but, like, those are the same, like, same kind of games now. Like, you don't really play much of any of those. No. Like, you're not really playing Assassin's Creed. You're not playing Far Cry. So there's not really any reason that you would be playing the new Tom Clancy games because they're basically the same. Yeah, I haven't played like Apex Legends has been the first shooter I've played in God, I don't know how many years now. You know, outside of like standard games that I might play like single player, I haven't played a multiplayer style game or large, large open world first person shooter in some time. Uh, but yeah, either way, that's a crazy list. Uh, I think that was the end of that list. So in terms of trends to end in 2021, Ryan and I just kind of compiled uh, three different things that we would like to see end in 2021. Uh, the first one here is caving into consumer and publisher pressure for releases. So this is on, I guess, the developer side, but as well as the publisher side too, right? So publishers are likely caving into uh, demand from consumers. And then, of course, the developers have to cave into the publisher, um, who is pretty much saying you have to get this game out into the market. So looking at, you know, Cyberpunk and uh, you've got Fallout 76, which that's Bethesda today probably you know, would have released it anyways, you know, <laughs> without crunch or anything along those lines, just a buggy mess. But, you know, Cyberpunk probably could have dealt, you know, done delay okay. it again. Yeah, they, it should have been delayed yeah. again for at least like three more months. There shouldn't have been expectations with that game. I think it was back in March we had discussed. It was last week, I want to say, or two weeks ago, where they pretty much told or no, it was last week because they told their investors like, yeah, this game is done. It's playable. It's good to go. Oh, they told them back in January. Well, yeah, yeah. But we mentioned it last week. So, yeah, they told them like, yeah, this game's playable. It's good to go. We'll release it. And then delay, delay, delay. So people are thinking, oh, they're polishing it. It's going to be an awesome game. And then they release what they released. So at the end of the day, a lot of it, I feel, had to do with fan pressure as well of like, look, we've been waiting so many years for this game. Just go ahead and release it, put it on the market. We'll deal with whatever bugs. And then they start crying when there's bugs and they can't handle the game. You know, another thing might've been don't release it on PS4. Just say, Hey, we've canceled our PlayStation 4 release. It's not going to be compatible with this console and just move on. Like I understand where you've put the time and effort into getting that game optimized for the PlayStation 4, but just cut your losses at that point, because now you've created not only a negative PR issue, but you've also pissed off investors and stockholders. And then you're also now taking returns, you know, like at the end of the day, you put out a terrible product, a terrible PR when all you had to do is say, you're getting sued just next gen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. any thoughts on that from you? I mean, yeah, it's just, 
we've seen this way too much and it's getting more and more common like and it's just so bold to do it with like a game this big because it's like no nobody was clamoring for fallout 76 the way that they were clamoring for this so it's like neither of them is acceptable but yeah it's like it's so much more acceptable in today's world to just release it and we'll finish it in post for games and it's just not we got to stop that it's got to stop this year well fallout 76 the funny thing about that is like consumers yeah they were angry about it but they it was more comical in that we all kind of knew it was going to happen with bethesda well and it was going to be a live service game like live service games are never really done done Mm -hmm. you know they've only got enough content to keep you occupied until they can come up with more content yeah and they're designed to be grindy and you know something you revisit all the time this was like a game game mm-hmm. that's supposed to have a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. And that's, you know, open world. You can explore all you want. You can put as many hours as you want, but, like, they're not going to just keep throwing stuff at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next trend that we have here that needs to end is not controlling bots. So the issue that we've had this entire year, whether it's in the shoe industry, whether it is uh, limited releases that are put out on uh, for various games or collectibles, um, you know, I've seen it years ago with like the master quest version, I guess it was of the, uh, um, breath of the wild, I think is when they released like that nice version with the sword and everything. Uh, so different collector's editions, consoles that we've seen, uh, GPUs, just different parts of, uh, CPUs, things that have been released that bots just go in, scoop up a ton. And it's like, well, we have the money to do it and we're going to make a lot more money because we'll sell it on the third person market. Like, it's just absurd at this point. Like, you know, I get it that the, um, you know, at the end of the day, the retailers like, well, we just want to make our money and we don't care. But you would still make your money if you limited bots and if you put it in a manner that everybody could get their their item. Or at least if you're going to let bots buy it, have it, you know, give a two week period where people can go in and buy that product in a normal manner. Like put gates down, you know, put um, the captchas in there, put uh, cues in place, force it to where you have to redeem a code on your cell phone, you know, anything along those lines, like do what you need to do to, you know, allow people to get the product that they want to get their hands on. And I think that's the most frustrating part. And it's not necessarily left to, uh, the ones creating the products. It's more on the retailer side of things. Well, in, you know, the retailer, like I, I had thought this before, and then I heard somebody say it in a way that made more sense, but it's like the retailer is going to make more money off of selling it to you than they are going to make selling it to a bot. Yeah. Because you're going to buy an extra controller and you're going to buy a game. The bot's just going to buy the console. Yeah. So it's not that they're getting the same amount of money. They're actually going to be losing those sales through add-ons, which is where most people make their money anyways. That's how the consoles make their money or the manufacturers make their money they're not making as much money off of this you'd think that oh they just sell it to the business and then the business sells it to whoever wants to buy it but no like you're hurting the sales for everything by doing this yeah it's a little absurd and honestly one of the biggest things that we've talked about before this year is if you're out there and you've purchased you know playstation 5 secondhand and you've spent the 800 dollars or 900 dollars whatever you, you you're spent a fool to get it yeah you're not, you're not only an idiot but you're not helping the situation like if you have people, you know, buying a thousand consoles and the market is slim and there's nothing in the market, just wait. If you wait, then we're not going to have this issue of bots wanting or, you know, people wanting to purchase a thousand consoles or 20 consoles in your area. Like 
because you're you're supporting that habit you're supporting that you know the money that they're making at the end of the day it's just it's ridiculous like just wait like seriously you'll do us all a favor in the long run um, especially if the price comes down yeah for sure and the price has gone down with a lot of those consoles like you know they already made their money a lot of those uh you know those uh you know bot guys and also um, like what are you really playing yeah. Like, there hasn't been a lot of release. This is a really weak launch line for all this stuff, especially because almost every game is getting a PS4 version or an Xbox One version still. Yeah. Like, of any console generation to sit and wait on, this is the easiest one to sit and wait on. Yeah. I mean, the stock is low because of a pandemic. Obviously, you don't necessarily need it. It's a want instead of a need. That's all this is. And if you got the money to blow on it, Sure, go ahead and blow your money. But at the end of the day, you still are screwing over a number of people because you are, you know, showing support to that behavior on the bot side. Uh, the next item that we've got here on uh, Trends Need to End is cleaning up gamer reputation. So this one is all on you, man. This was your big addition to this list. Um, so after everything that happened with what we talked about in the last article, you know, all the Ubisoft stuff, the backlash for Last of Us. It's it's terrible that, you know, we're represented in this way as a group by these very loud, bad actors. And gaming has grown so much. I mean, it's overcome, we just talked last week, more than the movie industry and the sports industry put together. Yep. So, you know, there's a lot more people coming over. And, I mean, I guess it could be the influence of those new people. But either way, like, we got to try to curate ourselves, you know, be better for one another and just kind of grow up, move on, you know, try to not participate in that kind of negativity because it's not just this side niche thing. It's like really in the spotlight. And if we don't want to be viewed with like, you know, sideways glances and thought of as you know like this like it's unfair to judge anybody in a group based off of the worst actors but we got to try to start by cleaning up in the industry making the industry a better safer place for workers and then hopefully you know some of that will trickle there's always going to be idiots on their computer at home you know typing away in forums saying the worst of the worst things or you know 12 year olds yelling slurs into their mics and stuff like you're not going to get rid of everybody, but we could start somewhere and we could start making more positivity. And I'd like to see, especially after how bad this year has been, let's try to leave as much of that behind. You know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm on a lot of forums, too, and I can't tell you, like, how often I'll post, like, one of our episodes or something we've covered, and somebody will say something snarky. You know, and the rest of the people are like, great, you know, there's no issue. Like, I posted on a few different pages this past week um you know just like what games are you looking forward to playing in 2021 that you hadn't done like new games resolutions dude i'm telling you like there might have been one or two negative comments that people just want to be an asshole the rest of it was just straight up like positive like oh man it's such a great game that you chose like i'm actually gonna be playing this and man that sounds like a great idea i should definitely jump in on this and play whatever game um that i plan on playing so there is a lot of positivity out there but at the same time, gaming has always had like a negative light on it anyways due to, you know, the violence in certain games. And there's always been critics on the outside looking in saying, you know, video games need to, uh, you know, either violent games be banned or 
um, you know, put a stranglehold on the market for video games and how to produce and such. So there's, there's a lot of stuff out there that's had a negative, like there's a negative view on the video game industry in general and a lot of gamers just historically. So I agree with you, man, like changing up that reputation, showing that gamers can be better than what they're viewed as. Uh, is great. And it's not to say that, like, I would say, like, what is it, 90, 95% of gamers are not going to, you know, be negative and have those issues. Uh, but at the same time, that, you know, the, what is it that saying? It's like, if you have one bad apple in the bunch or something, it, yeah. it ruins a bunch or whatever it is. Something like that. Yeah, something along those lines. So, speaking yeah. of bad apples. Speaking of bad apples. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. That was a good, <laughs> good one. Yeah. Good transition, John. Right to segue. Yeah. Right. So uh, that'll segue into our Apple removes 39,000 game apps from China store to meet the deadline. So uh, this one is by Pei Li at Reuters. And uh, you can go into the deeper details, Ryan. But basically, Apple gave the developers um, in China or those game app holders in China a deadline of like, I think it was like June or something to update their regulation licenses or something on their end to be in compliance with China and the app store. And those companies decided they were not going to do it. So Apple was generous for once and said, you know what, we'll extend that deadline to December 31st. And again, a ton of people missed out. So 39,000 game apps removed. And that's an addition to like 30,000 apps earlier in the year, apparently. Yeah, uh, so it says here, uh, including the 39,000 game apps, Apple removed more than 46,000 apps in total from its store on Thursday. Well, that was Thursday, and then they had also removed, prior to that, I believe, they had removed apps as well earlier mm-hmm. in the year for a similar issue. So, yeah, and then, uh, Ryan, you've got your note here um, regarding the big purge in general and how it affected the gaming Yeah, section. so... <laughs> 74 of the top 1,500 paid games on the Apple Store survived the purge. So at first when I saw the article, I was thinking like, oh, it's probably a bunch of garbage because there's got to be so many apps out there on the store that like aren't supported anymore or somebody made a game or it's free and it who cares? Nobody plays it, you know, whatever. There's probably a ton of that stuff, but... 1500 paid the top 1500 paid games that means these are ones that are actually generating revenue producing content and only 74 made it that's so crazy like i've never i've never seen numbers like that before it's got to be hurting a lot of people's bottom line somewhere like especially because the mobile gaming market is so rampant especially in china and i mean i'm sure that of those top 74 that are in there, I'm sure most of them are probably going to be like Chinese developed games because they have a big mobile development market over there. And obviously if anybody's going to already have the license for China, it's going to be a Chinese company. Yeah. So a lot of, I'm guessing foreign companies just decided that they, you know, I don't know what the process for the licensing is. I don't know if it's expensive. I don't know if it makes you have to compromise, you know, what you're putting in your game or whatever to meet up to certain standards. And they just didn't feel it was worth their time to go back in and reinvest more money to change a game that maybe already had stuff or maybe even games that just like, like, I don't know how many people spent money on South Park Phone Destroyer, but I'm sure that that's probably not a game that people in China are really playing with all of, you know, South Park commentary on 
their practices and stuff. So it's it's crazy. That seems and it's just like could you imagine like thirty nine thousand game apps? That's so many freaking games. Like that is like thousands and thousands of years of man hours of time that went into develop all this stuff and now it's just blacklist gone yeah no it's insane dude uh never to be seen again by the eyes of anybody in that nation well and some of these companies will i'm sure you know go through and do the licensing and such after the fact and this is more of a you know hey you've been removed you know like you're off the store if you want to come back up you got to follow in with regulation this is more of a deadline of you know hit it now or you're being removed so we'll see. We'll see how this works. Because, you know, down the road, it's not like new apps can't be put on the store. So if somebody is out of compliance right now, they can likely go into compliance uh, after the fact. But still, it's crazy, dude. Like 74 out of the top 1,500 games remaining. That's absurd. All right. Uh, next article we got here is what's next on Google Stadia's roadmap for 2021. Kyle Bradshaw at 9 to 5. Um, and that is, uh, nine to five google.com. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, so, uh, this really just goes into, uh, really the things that Google needs to do as a company to, uh, be relevant in the gaming industry in 2020. Uh, some of those things on there, and you know, you can go into a little deeper cause I'm sure you get the list, but one of the things that really got called out to me on there was exclusives. So having to bring in exclusive titles as well as um, updating their graphics uh, in 2021 to meet next-gen standards. So uh, what else do we got on there for that list? Well, so the the meeting the next-gen graphics standards is something that's actually a real good push because I believe that Stadia is one of the best places that you can play Cyberpunk because you don't have to have a next-gen console. You don't have to have a super souped-up PC Uh, You might have to deal with like a little bit of lag, but you're going to get one of the best experiences for the least amount of investment to play on a platform like that. So for them to be able to go through and update, you know, all of the systems, consoles, PCs, whatever, you know, whatever tech that they're using to bring you those games, whatever they need to upgrade, it's going to be expensive and it's probably going to drive up the price of Stadia. I mean, they just gave out, I just got a free $100, you know, controller and a Chromecast Ultra and a free month of Stadia for just having had YouTube Red before. So there's not a lot of room probably, like I don't know how well they're doing exactly, but there's probably not a whole lot of room for them to raise their prices because there's already not a lot of people that are really playing through Stadia, but like to have the better graphics and to be able to play some of these games more reliably, that makes it more enticing, but then the price might keep you away if it's going to be too much, especially because it's not just what you're paying for Stadia. The part that people forget, it's about your, your, uh, you know, God, how much network bandwidth you can use a month, you know, what your internet provider is going to charge you for using all of that data. Is gets expensive. Yeah, and that's the thing that's always steered me away from it is, you know, the bandwidth concern and whatnot. Um, and, you know, just really utilizing that or using that up. That's that's just really, really what scares me on that uh, setup. But, you know, in general, Alphabet's a huge company. So for them, this is just like a drop in the bucket in terms of investment and seeing how it'll grow. And, um, 
you know, I, I can see 2020 for them. Yeah. Setting up a roadmap and they have the ability, the finances and the ability and time to just sit back and say, you know what, we're going to look at what our competitors are doing. And, um, in both Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo, and I guess Amazon, Amazon. being in the fray and just determining like, here's what we can accomplish, uh, in 2021. And, um, I think they have the the ability to do that and, and learn from mistakes and take upon a slower approach and have a slower launch. And of course, you know, the YouTube Red thing definitely is a, a great way to get the controllers in people's hands, even if those people just experimented with it for free. They're more likely to be like, oh, wow, like if you had, you know, 10 in every 100 people, you know, that enjoyed it, that's a positive mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And, you know, that consumer group is going to grow as as long as, you know, you bring in new consumers on a, you know, on a free basis. Yeah. Come on. Like, that's just not bad at all. And all it takes is one month to be like, yeah, this isn't for me or yeah, this is great. And I got this free controller out of it yeah. or hell even sell it on the third, third person market or third party market and get it to somebody who actually does want that controller. Well, and once they, uh, so another thing on here that they have is, uh, moving it over to Android TV support. So that that'll, good. Yeah. that'll create a lot of, you know, more people that are able to connect and play without having to invest as much because you should be able to use your own controllers. I don't know exactly how you hook up a controller to a TV, but there's got to be a way to do it. I've Android TV must have apps like maybe you just download six axis the same way you would download it on your phone to hook up, a, you know, yeah. a Sony controller or something. Um. But getting getting it out there for more people to be able to have access to it, um, obviously there's not really a chance that it's going to be coming to Apple anytime soon, as they were already you know denying other platforms like that earlier this year. But like I love my iPad. If I could just set my iPad up tent style and hook a controller up and play, you know, Cyberpunk wherever I was mm-hmm. like that is an undeniably cool thing to be able to do. So there's a lot of future room for that, but they need to add a bunch of features first. Yeah. They got a bunch of missing features. Apparently it's very hard to navigate your library. There is no search function. I remember we talked when the Epic store launched and for a while after the Epic store was missing a lot of critical features that people have, you know, flocked to steam for over the years and built up a huge community around like this robust system that's got too much going on mm-hmm. on it and having a much more curated system, but that's more difficult to manage and doesn't really have all the stuff you're looking for because those things take time. Like steam didn't start as a finished product and neither will anything else really. So they need to develop more of that kind of side. Um, we talked about getting the player base up, uh, getting more stuff in their library. I mean, they've got a bunch of cool stuff out. Um, they did the Phoenix Rising thing. Not Phoenix Rising. That's the soccer team. <laughs> uh, the I don't even remember, dude. Uh, Sounds well, like anyways, they've got bro. they've got other stuff out there like. Uh, Super Bomberman, free. Destiny 2, free. Like, free-to-play stuff. Again, you know, I don't know that I would want to play... I put 125 hours into Destiny 1, so it's like, that's a lot of bandwidth. So, if I'm going to be streaming that, 
And playing it. And playing it. It's yeah. going to cost me probably Extra a lot money. of money for a free game. Yeah. Even if I don't invest anything. So, you know, smaller titles like uh, Fall Guys or Hades that were like big viral launches. I mean, I'd say Among Us too. It's not on here, but, you know, that would be, I don't know, maybe that's too hard to do on a console. Maybe that's better on a phone because you can type or voice chat easier. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't played it. Uh, Stadia exclusives, graphics upgrade. Yeah, we pretty much covered everything on here. It's probably not going to be done. Like, I would like to see where we're going to be at with Stadia come the end of 2021, how much of this stuff they were actually able to accomplish, because the longer it takes them, the more time that the competitors are going to have to really start ramping up, like Amazon's Luna and um, xCloud. Yeah. So once those really hit the market, like, especially with Game Pass, like, Microsoft is going to be the one that's going to launch and kill it in this space. Like, they'll definitely have that recognized name brand reliability with already, like, a built-up audience, a developed, you know, system. Like, if anybody's going to hit it out of the park, once xCloud really gets out there, on all kinds of platforms, yeah, that'll be a game changer for sure. And it'll force Google to make these moves quicker if they want to be able to keep pace and not be left behind. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Well, uh, of course, you know, let us know your thoughts on Stadia and, and every other topic we talked about on our social media pages and, of course, our website, thegameslayers.com. But let's go into our next piece here, dude. So this is the inflation deflation for RoboCop 3 on the Sega Genesis. There's various versions. Fingers and SNES version, NES version on here. There's probably a Game Boy version for all I know. Oh, there's there's way more than that, John. Because this game has like a couple like very different versions. Like, oh, where is it? Hold on. Well, while Sorry. you look, I'll Unprepared. get into our, our other things here. So, uh, developed by um, Do is it Do Giddle? Do Giddle Image Design? Is that spelled right? Digital. Okay, Digital Image Design. Come on, John. And use pro- context clues. I, well, you have D O G I, so <laughs> it'd be one thing if it was like D I G O. So, uh, Digital Image Design and Probe Software, and then it's published by Flying Edge and. Oxwin Entertainment. I think you spelled that wrong too. Oxwin Software. Uh, this was released in nineteen. 19- oh, Ocean. Ocean. God, you see, you see, folks. Ryan is setting me up for failure here. He's typing on my phone. Uh, okay. Well, it should have been easier. Autocorrect. Uh, released in nineteen ninety one. It is a platform shooter, and then uh, reception for this. There's obviously a different version, a lot of different versions, but they range from forty ish to about ninety, with the Genesis version falling right in the middle. Yeah. So there's um. This is on, like, Amiga, Atari, DOS, Commodore 64, ZX Spectrum, Nintendo, Super Nintendo. Like, this is on, like, everything. And there's, like, very big differences in the different types of game. We're doing the side-scroller platform shooter version. You know, it sounds like we need to do a RoboCop 3-day and play every single one of those versions and compare every single one of them. Do you have those other consoles? No, and God, thank God I don't. Okay. Uh no, I don't have like I have some of those consoles, but like the Amiga, I don't I don't have that. You know. 
I might have Robocop on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, so like it says here, the Amiga version received positive reviews for its music and 3D graphics. We got none of that. Yeah. John well, did like the, the music on we got the music. on our one we played. Hey, look, I actually wasn't very disappointed by this game. Now, uh, my determination on inflate or deflate might be different, but uh, yeah, so I like the music. I did like the uh, controls. For me, it felt pretty good. It wasn't bad, you know? The one thing I didn't like was that damn robot thing that kept shooting homing missiles at us, and you're trying to... You know, the difficulty spike on that game was ridiculous. It was a hard game. Like we yeah. said earlier, we had to switch from normal to easy. Otherwise, we would have been like, not much to talk about here. It was a difficult game. We failed the first level for 40 minutes well, and then did, gave up. And you didn't see when I got into like the second level how it worked out. So you go up this ramp and you're being fired on from below, but you don't see the enemies yet. So you're like, where the hell are these bullets coming from? There's like bullets come in multiple directions. You finally find them. You take a ton of damage when you get to the top. You get your, and I can't believe this was on easy mode. You then get your energy, of course, uh, on the way up. And then when you're going down, okay, you have like these robot things shooting beams at you and like literally just flying across. Some of them big, some of them small. So you're like just multiple dodges, trying to hit things with your laser gun. It's just hard. Classic dude. hard. Classic hard game. Like, honestly, I kind of think Ghouls and Ghosts is easy <laughs> compared to this. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's where I was. Uh, you know, I did enjoy what we played. I did think it was a lot of fun. The music was very good. The controls were very good to me. And, you know, that actual firing of guns and the way that everything was on screen seemed pretty clean for the most part, given that we played it on a 4K TV on a Genesis. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of affection for RoboCop. I remember I had a RoboCop action figure when I was a kid. And I know that it's not really a kid's movie. I don't remember, like, having watched it a bunch. I definitely have not seen it. You know, if I saw it when I was a kid, I've not seen it since. Um, so, I don't know. It wasn't really something that I was, like, super jazzed to play. And, obviously, it was classic hard and is not something that I'd be super jazzed to play again. I had an okay time with it. It just, it's one of those games that there's so many other games out there that are this same game with a different skin on it. This mm -hmm. one just happens to have a RoboCop skin on top. So I could really take it or leave it. I'm sure that there's better and worse versions than this game out there. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I think when I picked this game up, it was sitting at like five or ten bucks when I grabbed it. A much more reasonable price. A much more reasonable price. And it's not to say the game is terrible. Like, it's not a bad game by all means, but you're right. There's other it's games. It's generic. Yeah. There's other games that have the same concept that are better than this one. And if you're a Robocop fan and this is what you want to play, great. This is actually um, the best one, apparently, mm. out of the, I guess, the three Robocop games, one, two, and three, whatever they released. This is supposed to be the best one out of those three games. Assuming there was three. <laughs> so, yeah. One thing you could definitely say that this game has going for it from a collector's standpoint is it is a licensed game. And those licenses expire. So it's not like you're going to see a Robocop 3 re-release for a retro console or anything in the future. If you were going to buy this game, you would have to buy this game. Yeah. Yeah, so this is, this is pretty cool in general. Um, you know, I would say that based on the brass tax we have here... You know, complete in box, $42, which is actually the peak right now, and it's trending up, which is crazy. And then the loose price being, you know, we'll say 15 bucks is 14 dollars And that's also trending up, and it's at its peak. I 
Man, it's, it's a, probably it's cool. just because it's Sega. Like Genesis must be in its time of everybody's trying to buy it and collect it, and maybe I, I, because it's I don't just know. been rising and rising for the last few years. Like it doesn't look like this game's ever really been at a flat line. It's kind of peaked and valleyed, but always been on its way up. Yeah, which is surprising because I mean it's it's cool, but like you said, it's a different skin in a sense, and it's not amazing. So Do yeah, I, I would say you know, and we'll say the um. We'll look at the most expensive version here and the cheapest version. You've got a complete in box PAL NES version sitting at 9270, and then the cheapest version is a loose NES copy sitting at 949. Uh, you know, assuming the NES version is the same as the Genesis version, it's not. It's not. Okay. Well, I mean, it it can't be like the well, Genesis. I mean, style. It do what Nintendo don't. That's true. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Assuming it's the same style is what I'm saying. And it's not even the SNES. It's I know, I know. It's probably it's probably I would like to see the difference. Uh I'm gonna Google that difference. Um, well while John's Googling that difference, I'll fill in the time by telling you that you can find us anywhere on social media. You can find us at Twitter at Game Deflators, you can find us at Instagram and Facebook at the Game Deflators. You can let us know what you think about Robocop. Uh was he a good cop? Was he a bad cop? Was he both? Actually, dude. <laughs> oh my god. Robocop 3 on a Genesis? That actually looks pretty clean, dude. That looks good. That's the NES. I mean, on the, on the NES, sorry, not the Genesis. That yeah, looks actually, good. it does look pretty good. Yeah, so we'll say it's about the same, right? Side it's just, scrolling? it's so weird. Like, I know that the NES has a lot more, you know, depth than I often remember it. I like that. that I just good. always think of, like, Super Mario Bros., for NES, and I'm like, there's no way any game looks very good on that console, because I just think back to that, like, classic, the first thing they tried. Yeah. Well, uh, given that it looks kind of similar, I would say if you are if you got the itch for RoboCop 3, and you want to play it, um, you know, grab the NES version, or grab a loose copy on the Genesis, if you're that interested in it. Uh, I honestly think this game, at a complete inbox rate, is highly inflated. Uh, given what I paid for it several years back and where it was sitting. You said it was, what, like five bucks like three or four years ago? Yeah. For a loose copy? Like, come on. It's tripled in price, basically. It's not It's not worth it. What is your thought? Are you going to go inflated as well? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like right. I said, I mean, this is one of those games, again, it's a licensed game, so it's got a few different people that might be interested in it. You know, either people that want all the Genesis games. This is a game for you. People that... Love RoboCop and collect RoboCop merch. This is something you could pick up. Although, if you're just into RoboCop, you could probably pick up any version. And again, you could go with the cheaper version. Yeah. So, there's there's not a lot of people out there that I would really recommend this game for. And if you were to find it for a screaming deal, six bucks out in the wild somewhere, I guess go for it. If you can find it for 20 bucks complete in box, buy it, sell it, make your money back, yeah. and buy something else. Yeah, exactly. Buy this is better. a good flip game if yeah. you can find it. Yeah, for sure. I would agree with you on that one. Uh, well, yeah, look, you got the our rating on the bottom there, so I'll have to put it so we don't forget what we scored this damn thing. Uh, yeah, dude, so that, that's all I got for this week. Um, don't buy RoboCop unless it's a good deal. That's our, our end of the day. It's inflated. Uh, Ryan, we got to decide what we want to play next week. I'm kind of along the lines of let's play another Genesis game. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll do another. We haven't done a lot of uh, Genesis love in, in the last, I don't know, 80 episodes. So 
Let's give a little Genesis love. Uh, well, that being said, this has been episode 113 of the Game Later's podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.